Good morning. That was a good one too, right? For the recording. Yeah. Uh, it's good to be with you guys. Uh, if you could turn in your devices, I say turn because I'm older. Turn in your Bibles, turn in your devices um, to 2 Corinthians 4. We're going to be in verses 1 through 6, but it will also be on your screen. And this is a series about unbelievers, as you may know. And today's focus is actually on uh, intercession and our identity in Christ as it relates to the lost. And so last week, uh, you may have been here for when Kiara preached about the qualification is lostness. The qualification for the unbeliever is lostness. And <clears throat> the qualification for us is the same grace that saves the lost, right? The dynamic doesn't change um, for us as we live into this relationship with Christ. And so, um, let's read this together. Therefore, since through God's mercy we have this ministry, we do not lose heart. Rather, we have renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our Gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the Gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made His light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Whew, that's a lot <laughs> to unpack there, right? And so the context here is Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. His really probably his third letter he's writing to them, um, but the second recorded in Scripture. Um, not all three are recorded, but anyhow, he is writing in this passage uh, to a church who is wanting to reconcile with him for the most part. Some of them still don't. Some of them are still being obstinate against the gospel in which they were first rooted. And so in the first seven chapters, we see Paul reconciling with some of them. Because you see, um, those with whom he's reconciling, what broke relationship, thank you, what broke relationship with them um, was they started to believe Judaizers who lived in the area. Judaizers, ones who believed in Judaism, but would also add things to the law and so deceive them. And so they were pulling them away from the gospel in which they were first established. This has happened in other churches that Paul has uh, ministered to, and he said to call them back to the gospel. 
And so some of them are hearing Paul after a painful visit. Paul describes it as a painful visit to the church in Corinth. Some of them are hearing him and they're wanting to reconcile. And you know, the problem isn't with the law itself, right? The law is good. The law is from God. It's even perfect. And the law points out right from wrong and how we fall short, right? But the problem with the law is that it doesn't save us. It just reveals that which it can't heal. It just reveals that which it can't save. And so to just believe in the law, Paul says in the chapter before, he calls it the letter that kills. Because it keeps you actually from the love and the salvation of God through faith in Jesus Christ, if that's all you're believing. And indeed, they were not preaching Christ. They were preaching the law, some stuff they added to it, like I said. And you know, it caused some of these uh, uh, from the church in Corinth to question Paul's credentials. You know, they started, they were like, and really, like, I mean, Paul, you're unimpressive. Like, some thought that he wasn't really a good teacher. You're poor. You're often suffering. And Paul's like, you're my credential. (laughs) I established you in the power of God. I ministered in the proclamation of good news for your bad news. I ministered the power of signs, wonders, and miracles to you by which you were set free. By which you were healed. By which you were saved. Do you remember? And they are... Coming back into remembrance of this, they're coming back, many of them are coming back into alignment with what Paul said in reconciliation to this word. And, you know, in verse 1, it says, therefore. And anytime we see therefore, we have to ask the question, what is it there for? Oh. <laughs> therefore, since, since through God's, I didn't make that up. <laughs> since through God's mercy, we have this ministry. So what is therefore, therefore, and what is this ministry? But let's start with how did he get it through mercy? Paul didn't deserve it. Uh, What he did deserve, he didn't get. That's what mercy is. And at at God's throne of grace, or on the road to Damascus, when he knocked Paul off his horse, literally, that was the throne room that day for Paul. (laughs) He was in the presence of Jesus Christ. He didn't just receive mercy, he found grace. If mercy is that which you don't get that you do deserve, grace is that which you get that you don't deserve. He got the love of Christ. He got the power of God to renounce his secret and shameful ways, to come into the saving knowledge of Jesus, right? And so, Paul here is referring back to chapter 3. And in chapter, what we know is chapter 3 Paul says this ministry is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The ministry, the the law kills. And the ministry of the Holy Spirit gives life. The ministry of the Holy Spirit brings righteousness. It brings freedom. The ministry of the Holy Spirit transforms us from glory to glory. And so this is what Paul is referring back to. His credentials. So to, speak, so to speak. He established this church by the power of God. You know, growing up in the church, um, for me, I didn't, uh, I used to think the qualifications for ministry were 
uh, learning enough information. Like, if you knew enough information or you got an education credential, that's who was in ministry. And then there were those without an education credential, and they were not in ministry. And so, as we look at this passage, that's, that's, there's such a problem with that as we look at the New Testament, right? The New Testament bears, tells something different. And so, but yeah, I used to think that it was knowledge-based. But the problem with that is, if something's knowledge-based and not transformation-based, it's not good news. It's not the gospel. And what's worse is you develop leaders where their, transform, their own transformation is neglected, and so is their accountability. And because they have the information. They have the credential. Now they have the right to lead you in spiritual things, right? But the problem with that, with that is they may still not have been transformed in their own lives, right? They might have heard a calling, but are not walking in freedom, or not walking in healing, or not walking in that transformation, but they just have that information. And so that is what a lot, that is what these religious leaders are who are coming to the church in Corinth, right? And deceiving them. And so now imagine a culture under such leadership, right? At best, you have someone who's a nice person, but they're just teaching religious information and denying the power of God, the ministry of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ. Or at worst, you have someone with unprocessed pain, uh, pain full of shame and fear and imparting that to the people that they did. Because that's what they have to give. It may not be intentional, but they only thought that they needed an education credential. So I recently ministered to someone who came from an environment where they were shamed as a teenager for something that, for an indiscretion of an immediate family member. Their family was just kind of shamed, and so that person's response to that was they just went to look for their worth in other places. Because they didn't get it from the church. They didn't get it from the church. And so they, they should have, right? But because the church has this good news. But when the church isn't operating as leaders in its identity, and they're giving shame instead of life, they're saying, you didn't measure up to the law. We're preaching the law. We're preaching moralism. You didn't measure up, so you're out. That is not good news for anybody. And they're not walking in good news, you can be sure. Because that's what they're giving the person. And then in the person looking for their identity, their worth in wrong places, they start to keep secrets because of the same shame that they've internalized. And so as they do that, now they have secrets and shame. Paul says we've renounced secrets and shame. We don't do that with the gospel because we've received a ministry through mercy. And so... so we had this beautiful opportunity recently to minister this truth to this person. Whereby they forgave the people who hurt them. Whereby the Lord released freedom and healing into their lives. Whereby they renounced these secrets and shame. They said, I'm not what I've done. I'm not what was done to me. I'm not what my family member has done. But the truth is, I am a loved son. I am a loved daughter because of what Jesus did for me on the cross. And that's the good news for that person's bad news. 
That's God's good news for our bad news. What's your bad news today? What's your community's bad news today? What's your family's bad news today? God has good news for it. Found in the gospel. My main point is, the ministry of the Spirit imparts the life of Christ to us. And since the beginning, the Lord has said, I hold out to you this choice. There's death and there's life. Death does not come from God, but since the fall of man, now we have this choice. And we can choose life. And it's not by striving. It's not by trying harder in moralism. It's by receiving good news for our bad news. We come as we are, not as we should be. Only to find He loves us as we are. And we renounce secrets and shame. We receive this mercy and He loves the hell out of us. Amen. Amen. His love, I didn't make that up either, but I like it. His love, His love casts out the fear, right? And brings us into alignment with who He says we are. Now we can live from that love, from that approval, from that significance that He says is ours because He loves us. We couldn't do it on our own, but Christ did it for us on the cross. Amen? And so, Paul knows from encountering Jesus in his own life that Jesus is not just the one who saved Paul, but that Jesus is his salvation. Jesus is Yeshua. And the name Yeshua means the Lord is salvation. Now that word salvation is a much fuller word than we have an English word for And so, it's not just saved to go to heaven someday. It is your freedom, your protection, your wholeness, your salvation, your deliverance, and your healing today. (laughs) And this is the salvation of the gospel, right? Your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, where there's no sickness, sorrow, pain, or tears. And so, Yeshua is, the Hebrew alternative for that is Joshua. And it's the English translation of the New Testament name. And the English translation is Jesus. Yeshua. So he isn't just saving us. He's our Savior. He isn't just delivering us. He comes to us as our deliverer. He comes to us as our healer. As our protector. And because Yeshua came and lived a perfect life. First, he came right in the flesh as fully God and became fully man. He came in the flesh and dwelt among us. And he lived a perfect life. He didn't give up his deity, but he completely emptied himself of power and authority only to to yield perfectly to the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yielded to see and hear the Father perfectly. To minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. And to overcome suffering, even execution, on a cross. This is the gospel. This is the model life for us, right? A yielded life. Yielded to love. Yielded, surrendered to the love of God. For Him and for those to whom He ministered. 
And as he yielded, he received the courage of God. He received the power of God in the form of courage. As God's love broke in on the Son, as fully God, but also fully man, and he surrendered to the Father's will, he received impartation of a courage and a strength that could face being only more and more misunderstood, that couldn't entrust itself to man, and that was eventually betrayed by his own and killed. This kind of courage to face severe rejection from empire only comes from the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Why did he yield to the Father's will at every moment? It was for love. He gave his life for love. The Father gave his only Son in his perfect love for you and for me. The Lord is speaking the name Yeshua to our community right now. In the last two weeks, he spoke it several times. Kiara uh, mentioned it last week, the story of Joshua, that is, and so did Brooke at the other campus. I don't know if you guys know that. But they both talked about the story of Joshua. Do you know, in the story of Joshua, in chapter 1, the Lord says to Joshua, Be strong and courageous, and do not be afraid. And if it's not striving or trying harder, or just pretending that you're not afraid, then how do I obey that command? <laughs> Have you ever thought about that? Like, God gives these commands, and it's like, that army's like nine feet tall. Remember they were like real tall, and right from the beginning, Joshua had faith and all that. Well, so, but like, how do I really not be afraid? How do I be strong and courageous right now, right? In the face of what I'm facing. What are you facing right now? How, God commands you, do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. So what is the secret in that? What is the answer to that? Well, David had a revelation into this. King David in the Old Testament. He said, the Lord is my light and my Yeshua. Of whom shall I be afraid? See, he had a revelation of the person of Jesus Christ. He had a revelation. You may say, well, this is the Old Testament. This is a messianic. These, these are, some of these songs are messianic songs. God revealing himself before he came on earth. Because before Abraham was, Jesus said, I am. Right? So he has this revelation of Jesus. The Lord is my light and my Yeshua. Of whom shall I be afraid? And he goes on in the last verse to say, I will wait on the Lord and take heart. Paul says, we do not lose heart. He says, I will take heart and wait on the Lord. And sandwiched in between there, in that psalm, Psalm 27, is the secret. To dwell in the house of the Lord forever. To gaze upon His beauty. And to meditate on the person. Of Jesus Christ. On the God man Jesus. Until. You apprehend the heart. Until you apprehend the supernatural courage of God. In your life. For your circumstance. Guys. This dynamic. Never changes. There's fresh bread from heaven every day. And his name is Jesus. Right? Paul said, you started in this grace. Why are you ending in the flesh? Why are you in the flesh now? No. You don't, you don't just strive now and, and try harder because you know better. <laughs> Keep receiving Jesus. Keep eating and drinking of Jesus. 
Be strong and courageous. Paul had David's revelation, right? Paul had the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so, and the revelation was, in my weakness, in being poor, in suffering, in being unimpressive, your power is made perfect. And he said, only God could have shaken a jail cell to set Paul free elsewhere in Scripture. This is the testimony of Jesus in Paul's life. Only God, only God can bring Paul contentment in abundance and in poverty. There were times he had a lot. It didn't change anything for Paul. He was set on Jesus like Jesus was set on Jerusalem for you and me. Only God could have enabled Paul to overcome the type of suffering that he faced. Only God. Forty lashes minus one. I think three times. On that raw scar tissue. The proclamation and persecution reveals Christ's death and his resurrection power and life. Paul's credentials as an apostle weren't just the churches he established, but the grace, the power of God established in him. Later in this letter, Paul would say to this church, I want, I know a man. I know a man who, out of body, I don't know. Or in body, I don't know. Was taken to the third heaven. Paul had a revelation of Jesus. He had a visitation from Jesus more than once. He said, 14 years ago, (laughs) Jesus took me up into the third heaven. And what's my point here? It's not this is what's required for us to to walk in what Paul walked in. No, we all have this inheritance. (laughs) This is every time we engage, like I said, for fresh bread. This is our inheritance. And he comes to us in many different ways. But how about the way that he established Paul in signs, wonders, and miracles? You know, speaking of God's power made perfect in weakness, I'm reminded of when Paul was teaching and a man fell asleep, fell out a window, died, and Paul raised him from the dead by the power of the Spirit. And so here's this picture of like, wait, this dude's falling asleep during your teaching, but then you raise him from the dead made perfect in weakness. Paul says later in this passage about the grace to overcome suffering. We are hard pressed on every side but not crushed. Perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. Some of you are in suffering right now. Some of you are looking for the hope Henry and Kiara talked and sang about. And it's found in Jesus. You are facing suffering. It is real. How do you overcome this suffering? Some of you are wondering about God's love for you. Some of you may be like, but but does he love me? And God wants to give you a fresh outpouring of his love. And we continue to contend with you for that. This is your birthright. This is your inheritance. To not just know about the love of the Father, but to know this love tangibly.
tangibly. To know this love, to be filled with His Spirit, the inheritance of every believer. Some of you think, I can never do what Paul did in terms of the power of his ministry. Just like the qualification for the lost person is lostness, we are qualified by grace, brothers and sisters. It never changes. It never changes. You are qualified by the grace of God to overcome suffering, to know His love, and to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Just as when the Father drew us the first time at the revelation of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Lord is saying to us, come up here. I want to give you a fresh revelation of me. And so he's saying, I want to enlighten the eyes of your heart to know me better. I want you to see me with your heart. But it's only by the power of the spirit of wisdom and revelation that this happens. And so we position ourselves. To get a, a, re- a fresh revelation of Jesus. And as we do, we get rooted, deep, deeply rooted in our identity. It's Our identity is rooted in His. As we get a deeper revelation of Jesus, we get a deeper revelation that we are beloved sons and daughters. As we look on Him... We experience the love that the Father has for Jesus. And we know this is true because the Bible says the Father loves us as He loves Jesus. And that Jesus loves us as the Father loves Him. And so it's really a matter of coming into alignment with what's already true. This is why Paul is toiling for the church in Corinth to be established with the grace in which Paul was established. We are the church, and I said this earlier, we're the head and not the tail. We are the rescued. We are the delivered. We are not waiting for a deliverer. He is come. Amen. Amen. And we are not prevailing. I want you to hear this. We are not just prevailing against enemy attacks. We prevail against enemy gates. I'm going to repeat that. We're not just prevailing against enemy attacks. We prevail against enemy gates. What does that mean? The gates are the place of defense by the enemy, right? They're the bars that that the enemy puts up. It's the wall at Jericho. And we attack... that, That implies something, right? We are attacking. We're on offense brothers and sisters. We're not on defense. We're not on defense. We're not, we're not just taking up a shield against enemy attacks. That is true, but it's not the whole truth. We're taking up a sword, the sword of the Spirit that is the Word of God. And we are moving forward toward enemy gates. Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. The gates of hell won't prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we are attacking enemy gates. How how do we live from that place but to live as the beloved? To live from this convinced in our hearts, not our minds, but in our hearts through faith of the love of God for us. And then what do we attack with? 
We attack from love against the enemy and his work and his deception in other people's lives. And we cut that thing off and bring them into alignment with the love of the Father for them. We are ministers of the gospel. And it's rooted in our identity as sons and daughters, brothers and sisters. We've got to get this deep down in our innermost womb. Our identity and intercession are rooted in the love of the Father. And I want to move to intercession as I close. Jay, can you play? One of the ways we attack the gates is in intercession. I was just talking with someone out in the foyer before the service started, talking about hearing the Father's heart for us and hearing the Father's heart for people in prayer together. Praying it back to Him in agreement together. This is true intercession. It's praying the Father's heart for people. Prayer lists are okay. Coming in with our preconceived notions, it's just that Man, I'd much rather get the assignment from God in the context of His manifest presence. In the context of His face. Right? Where Paul says all that stuff about the light of His face and his, the light of His face shining in us, the glory of God shining in the church. It's like, wow, that's a lot. What's, what all is he talking about there? <laughs> Being transformed from glory to glory doesn't just mean benefits for us. It means us partnering with the heart of the Father to give that love away in intercession. We're going to be talking about different facets of in this series of the of uh, you know unbelievers. Today we're talking about reaching a harvest. As I close here, reaching a harvest through intercession. The Father's heart for the harvest. The harvest is ripe, brothers and sisters. You don't have to worry about the harvest. The harvest is right. Jesus said pray earnestly for laborers. He's like, I need laid down lovers. I need people who are so convinced of the love of God deep, deep down in their innermost man. Not memorized Bible verses. That's good. (laughs) But is it on the inside of me? And is it flowing out of me to the lost? In the prayer room and in the streets. You see, when there's no fear in you, When you're so convinced of the love of God, whether in the streets or in the prayer room, you will do anything for Jesus. Right? But it's not, intercession is not this. It's, oh God, please, like, care about these people like I do. That's not intercession. (laughs) It's, Lord, I'm positioning myself for you to pour out your love into me. So that I care about them how you do. Lord God. I need more. I need more of your love. Right now. I need a deeper revelation of your person. Because God is love. I need a deeper revelation of your person. That out from within me flow rivers of living water. Guys we can live from that place. This isn't like. There isn't like a, well, we always got to contend for this. You know, we just spend this side of heaven just like striving and struggling for this again. No, we live, we can live from this place. He's like, choose life. <laughs> He's like, just gently turn and receive. Like when we sang the, that last song, it was just like that gentle rain came and it was just like, just receive his love. Get a revelation. He's pouring out 
upon us. This grace has raised us, it renews us daily, and reaches more and more people in the streets and from the prayer room. And so I want to do a couple things here in closing. Um, I just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come and minister. It's 1120, we got time. Now I do, I do feel led in this direction. Just for us to get a deeper revelation of Jesus. And I just believe that the Lord is pouring out a double portion of the spirit of grace and supplication. Grace is the power of God. And supplication is to pray for more of the power of God. <laughs> and so that's what God's doing in our community right now. So I just want to align with it. We've heard his voice on this. I just want to agree with it um, and be activated in that word together right now. Okay? And so, um, if you guys can just stand with me. Just hold out your hands if you would, if you're comfortable with that. This isn't magic. It's just a posture that helps us posture our heart in faith toward God. Um, you don't have to do this. It helps sometimes um, to posture our heart, our heart, our thoughts. And so I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And I just encourage you in your heart to the Lord to surrender and just receive. For some of you, He might reveal something, someone you need to forgive. For some of you, He may bring joy. For some of you, He may bring tears. But surrender means I'm going to receive what he wants to give me. Some of you may get the gift, activated the gift of prophecy. Some of you may get, it, it's just any number of things from the Holy Spirit. We just want to encourage the fruit, the gifts, the voice, and the power of the Holy Spirit to move among us. Because whatever he has to give, it's good. And so right now, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I bind any evil spirits from manifesting. And I ask, Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus, come. Just come on us as people, and we pray for a fresh dose of your love. And Lord, we surrender our hearts to whatever it looks like, Lord. Lord God, we receive your love, Holy Spirit. Just yield in your heart to him. Let him come as he will. Thank you.